Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. The entrance of your word brings light. Your word is life. Your word is spirit. Flesh will not receive your word. And I pray, Father, as an act of faith, we will die to self. We'll allow your word to speak to us. We'll allow your word to frame our thinking. We'll allow your word to touch our will. We'll allow your word to touch our desires. We'll allow your word, O Father, to order our footsteps. Because life is in your word. The Spirit of God, we just magnify you. We pray, Lord, touch us. Touch our ears. Speak to us. Give us understanding. Give us that desire to follow you all the way. Touch us, Lord. Touch us. Speak to us this morning. Prepare our hearts for communion later. That we come to your table. A table that you prepared for us. Literally in the presence of our enemies. The stealers of our destiny. The enemy that comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But in the presence of these demonic hosts and spiritual powers and rulers of wickedness, you spread a table for us and help us to come and feast at your table this morning. Feed us, Lord. Feed us. For you are the true bread that came from heaven. Feed us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Remember, we, we've been looking at from primarily from Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 31 and 32. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Okay, so two things are there. One is talking about marriage. The other is talking about how marriage on earth, the Christian marriage on earth, is a picture of the church's relationship with Christ. Okay. So whether you are married or whether you are single, the lesson is for both. If Christ comes before you get married, you still can be his bride and be married to him. So the lessons are for everybody. And remember, this is the first law, God's law of marriage. The first law of marriage is the most difficult, which says, man shall leave. Man shall leave. And cleave. And become one with his wife. When God moves finally, one final move before the end comes, he will begin restoration with the individual, to the family, the home, to the church. Okay? Because church is just a group of homes and individuals. Okay? You take the home and the individual out, there is no church. Okay? The church is primarily a set of individuals 
and a set of homes. Why I say injurious? Because there will be people whose rest of the family are not saved. There are many here who are the only ones in their homes which are saved. And there are whole homes also which are there, which are saved. So when revival takes place, when God restores, it begins at the individual to the home. Okay, so please remember, we are looking at things which are eternal. Yet they have to be practiced on earth. So when we go on to the other side, we were prepared. We practice a lot of things on earth which will have no relevance in eternity. We spend so much money, energy, time. It's okay. I mean, but let me tell you, a lot of things on which we spend our time and resources and energy will have no effect or value in eternity. So here he's talking about marriage, preparation for marriage, the, the laws of marriage. And here he says, for this reason. So you should ask for what reason? For this reason. What is the reason? And a lot of married people don't know the reason. For this reason, man shall leave his... Why did God say father and mother? Oh, thank God he only said father and mother and not my dog. But that's not what it means. You see, if in all the human relationships which you have on earth, the father, mother, because the child is born there and grows there, this is the most intimate, close relationship. Therefore, when it says father and mother, all the other relationships fall beneath it. Okay? So when it says man shall leave father and mother, it also means he shall leave his bachelor days friends. That's more difficult. So the bachelor ex married bachelors are laughing from the back. Okay. They all have done their MBA. When their friends call, they will say married but available. Okay. Okay. So you see when it says that's why God goes straight to the top and says, if he can leave these two, should be able to leave all the others. And if and that's where all the struggle comes. All the struggle comes because if you are not faithful in part one, part two will never happen. And part three, which is the mystery, people never realize. The mystery is part three. The mystery is part how can Christ and the church become one? And what comes out of that oneness? How can God be three persons and be one? Out of that oneness has come all of creation. Everything that is created, seen and unseen, comes out of the oneness of the Trinity. And everything that will happen in eternity will come because of the oneness of Christ and his church. Okay, and That's what God is talking about. It's a mystery. Paul says it is a mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. And he says marriage is a mystery. But he says so is the union of Christ and the church. And last week, just quickly recapping, we saw that in Psalm 25 and verse 14. The word mystery means secret. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. We said the difference between a contract and a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. It is not a contract. When you sign a contract, all of you working with companies signed a contract. 
all those who rented a premises signs a contract. And when it comes to a contract, it is always based on gain for both parties. If one party feels it is loss, then they will give notice and will break the contract. Marriage is not a contract. It is a covenant. It's a covenant. So God did not enter into a contract with Israel. He entered into a covenant with Israel. Okay, Covenant with Israel. That's why it's called the old covenant. And Christ enters into a covenant with the church. It's a covenant. The next verse which we have over there is that he shall call to heaven, that's Psalm 50 verse 4 and 5, he shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. What is he talking about? He says when he enters into a covenant, heavens and earth are witness. That's why when we have a, we had one wedding here, right? And that couple, I don't see them today. What happened? I didn't see, I don't see Anisha and... uh, Oh, they are in Sunday school. Okay, but that was the only wedding we had in this place. Remember, when you enter into a covenant, remember, when you enter into a covenant, it is just not the church visible here who's witnesses. Literally, earth and heaven. Suddenly, one day when rapture takes place or Jesus comes back, we will realize, actually, there are no inanimate beings. Rocks speak, plants speak, the floor will testify. Suddenly we will realize creation speaks. I call heaven and the earth has witness. That's what God is talking about. You read Deuteronomy 30 and all. Heaven and earth are witnesses when a covenant is made. Not a contract. Contract only two witnesses is required. In a covenant, heaven and earth is a witness. So marriage is a covenant. Salvation is a covenant. It's a covenant. And he says, gather my saints together to me. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Okay. Where there is covenant, there is sacrifice. So covenant is not based on gain. It is based on loss. You're willing to suffer loss. You're willing to suffer loss. Okay. Understand the words fear, covenant, sacrifice, and God will start revealing them. It's terrible. To be married for 50 years, because people will say, this is my 50th anniversary, and never understand the mystery of marriage. We married for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and never understood the mystery. That's what Paul says, it's a mystery. There are secrets in it, which God will reveal. Who does he reveal? To those who fear him. Those who understand it is a covenant, and those who are willing to suffer loss. God says, I will reveal myself through a marriage. I will reveal myself through a marriage. And when it comes to those who have entered into a covenant with God in salvation, remember, the sign of your covenant is your baptism. Baptism. Okay, baptism. Like in the marriage covenant, they come, the girl comes in the father's arm and goes back in her husband's arm. That old relationship is dead Something new has begun. In the same way, when you get baptized, you go under the water, you say the old me is dead. And when you rise up, you rise up as a new person in Christ Jesus. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. And that's why God says, repent, believe, and be baptized. That he who believes and gets baptized shall be saved. Not that you get sprinkled as a baby, because you never believe. 
You did not even know what a covenant. How can a baby enter into a covenant? Because salvation is a covenant. You cannot, you, you don't have, you see in India before sati, uh, sorry, child marriage was abolished. Children were married. They had no clue what was happening. So you baptize a baby. The baby has no clue what is happening. The baby has entered no covenant. The baby has not died to anything. Actually, the baby, when you put in the water, cries even more loudly. His flesh is manifested loudly. When you are supposed to be dying to your old self. So understand. Because only when we understand what God's word teaches, we'll understand the significance of these things. How deep it is. How eternal it is. So there is sacrifice, there is loss. You're willing to suffer loss for Christ Jesus' sake. That is why if you look at the apostles from Acts chapter 2 onwards, you will see when they were persecuted for Christ Jesus' sake, they did not consider it as loss. They considered it as gain. They rejoiced, the Bible says, that they were counted worthy, worthy, to suffer for Christ Jesus' sake because they knew the covenant has started working. And God says, when you are persecuted for his name's sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad because you entered into a covenant. And a covenant says, I am willing to suffer loss. I am willing to suffer loss. You can ask any mother sitting here, all the mothers sitting here, you can go ask, men can go ask, young girls can go ask, do you regret the labor pains? Nobody, nobody even thinks about it. All the thing is about the baby and the child. Okay. You know why? Because something was birthed. Something was birthed. Okay. So in Romans 6 and verse 11, this is what Paul will say through the Holy Spirit. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin. He says every day when you wake up, remember your covenant. Remember your covenant. Let us say we have Mose here. Okay, we have Moshe. Mose, you are the Bakara today. Okay, Mose here. Let us say Mose gets married. Mose gets married to this girl who's never done anything in her life. Pampered brat. Okay, she doesn't cook, she doesn't do anything, and he gets married. Then, first day after the marriage, the girl wakes up. You know what? She has to reckon herself dead to the old life and get up, go to the kitchen and offer her husband a burnt offering. Because she doesn't know how to cook. She doesn't know how to cook. Okay, But still, an offering has to be brought. You know why? You have to get up and reckon, I'm not single. I'm not single. I am married. I am dead. Every day believers wake up and to reckon themselves dead to the old life so that they can live to the new life because you went through a covenant. That's what it says. Dead to sin, but alive to God. What does the girl do? She's dead to the ways of her home and alive to the new life in which there is not much gain. It's often loss. It is loss. But you are alive to that. Alive to that. That's how it works every day. Every day. That's how you walk in that covenant. And then, when it comes to Romans 12, 1 and 2, 
If this becomes our daily practice, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Daily. Holy. Acceptable to God. Why God? Because he is the partner in your covenant. He is Christ. He is your covenant partner. Holy. Acceptable to him. Not acceptable to all the others. The only person that should like for a woman. The only person that really matters is a husband. Three times already my wife asked me this morning, how do I look? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I gave her expert opinion also. Don't worry. Okay, so what I'm saying is that who do you have to be acceptable to? To your husband. Who is he? Christ Jesus. Only acceptable to him. Why do we learn scripture? If you don't understand the purpose, why do we learn, put so much on the teaching of the word of God so that we will know how can I be acceptable to him? Because we are going to live with him for eternity, forever and ever. How do I make myself acceptable to him? It does not matter if the world says you are not acceptable. It's okay. We are not going to live in this world anyway. We are going to another world. How do I become acceptable and holy? Set apart and acceptable to him. And when we do that on a day-to-day basis, the mystery starts being unfolded. First God says, you know what? There is another fellow after your attention. His name is Lucifer, Diabolos, Satan, accuser of the brethren, the great dragon, the ancient serpent. He has many names. And he controls his world system. He will never come directly to you unless you are really important. He will never come directly to you. But what he will do, he will use this world system to make you disloyal to the one you are betrothed. So that's what the second word says. You know what? Do not be conformed. To whom? To that world. Because when you are conformed to the world, you know what is happening? It doesn't matter whether you are single or whether you are married. Physically, whether you are single or married. If you have entered into a covenant with Christ, if you get conformed to the world, you are committing adultery. You are being unfaithful to the partner of your covenant. You know why? For Because for eternity, he has set himself apart for you, faithful. He has eyes for no one. No one. He's faithful. No one. His eyes are only upon his bride. And his bride's eyes should be only upon him. That's what it says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? He starts speaking to you. Your bridegroom starts speaking to you. Your husband starts speaking to you, speaking to us. And what happens? You start unfolding in your heart, in your mind, the will of God. And you realize, you know what? The will of God is good. It is acceptable. And it is perfect. It's a mystery. But the mystery will be unfolded. Those who come to him in fear, those who come to him in sacrifice, those who come to him in covenant. So don't live such boring, purposeless lives. Our life should be like an Agatha Christie novel. Mystery, 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 mystery. Finally, okay. Every, no? You're sitting at the edge of your chair because every day he unfolds something. He unfolds something new. 
He shows you something new. There is not a day that will pass in your life if you walk in the covenant where your bridegroom will not whisper something to you. Tell you something. And honestly, this is not a dead book. This is a living book. This is a living book. Your personal devotions, the time you spend usually early in the morning should be the time of your day because you have heard and it showed you something. Showed you something. Maybe it is the same verses you read, but it took you a little more deeper. A little more deeper. And you experienced him a little more. So salvation is not a boring thing. It's an exciting thing. And when you get excited that way, then you suddenly realize life is going to be like this all of eternity. You know what? Wow. You will say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Can we just begin that life? Earth is boring. Is it? We will know after service if it's boring or not. He will start revealing. He will start revealing. Okay. So, coming back to our original text, the three words, leave, cleave, and become one. You cannot have two and three unless first is fulfilled. There has to be in your heart and in your spirit a leaving, a detachment. You're not abandoning your father and your mother. No, you are not. But you are no same. The relationship will never be the same again. We have not left the world, but we are telling the world we are not of it. We are not of it. We are still in the world. Right bang in the middle of Hyderabad. Our church is right in the middle of Hyderabad, center of Hyderabad, if you look at the map. So we are not outside the world, we are right in the middle of the world. But you are telling the world, we don't belong to you. We belong to another. We belong to the another. Okay? Please get it. Therefore, what is the purpose? For this reason. What is the reason? Oneness. Because out of that oneness will flow everything else. If there is no life flowing out of us, the life of God, Jesus did not say, a trickle shall flow from your belly. That's not what he said. He said, reverse. Reverse shall flow. Reverse. That is his life shall flow. He says, if you are in union with my son, if the church is in unity with Christ, oneness, life will flow to all corners. Like the Garden of Eden, the river flew in four directions. And the Bible says, water the earth. Water the earth. That's what out of unity comes. Otherwise, what happens? You are saved. Nothing is flowing. You are starting to stink. Your water inside has become stale. That's what happens. Go, leave a bucket of water, go somewhere, come back after two weeks. And you will see the content of the water. The, the, the state of the water. And so many lives who are saved are stinking because nothing is flowing. Because that comes out of unity with God. Let's get to Acts chapter 2 and verses 40 to 42. Now, this is the beginning of the church. So church is a mystery. Marriage is a mystery. This is the beginning of the church 2,000 years ago. With many other words, he testified, exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. What is all these words about? 
when a girl is very attached to her families, you have to tell her so many words to leave and get married. Have you noticed every small girl, I don't know, I'm talking to you from experience, every small little girl, every one of them will always say, when I grow up, I'll marry daddy. That is the man in their life. I will never leave you. I will marry you only. Of course, when she grows up, her ideas and everything change. But some children are so attached to their homes, you have to use many, many words to persuade them to leave. And many people are so attached to the world. Okay, To bring conviction of sin, one line. The Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Savior. And they were cut to the heart, what must we do? But to get them to leave, many other words. 14 years I have been preaching, trying to get people leave. Not to get them saved. Get saved was easy. And can I get baptized? Get baptized. Have you left? <laughs> Still struggling. Many words. Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly receive. That's the, that is the problem. People don't even, they receive it sadly. Our testimony is written. Those who sadly received it. No, gladly received it. Were baptized. And that day about 3000 souls were added to them. Church began. But when they were baptized, they entered into a covenant. They died to their old life. Now the mystery is going to be unfolded. How does the mystery begin? The Bible says, they continued steadfastly. It is this. What does that mean? It means every day they woke up and reckoned themselves dead. In the Jewish system, you only go once a week. But in the new system, you realize you're married to a person who does not wake up only once a week. He's alive every day. Imagine Moses get married and the girl says, do I have to feed you only on Saturday? And he says, no honey, Monday to Sunday. Oh, you eat all days? Yes, I eat all days. That two, three times. Sometimes four times. Life has changed. If it's possible, but it is possible, Moshe is blushing. Okay. <laughs> They continued steadfastly, seven days a week, steadfastly. In what? The apostles' doctrine. The first thing mentioned is doctrine. And out of doctrine flowed fellowship. In the breaking of bread. They broke bread every day. We break bread once a month. That's why the state of the church is so. Broke bread every day. We break bread once a month. Or four times a month maximum. They broke bread every day. You know what? You can break bread every day in your own homes. I'm not saying you need bread and wine. But your supper table will determine the oneness of your family. That's why it's called the Lord's Supper. and Not the Lord's breakfast. The Lord's lunch. I keep telling that. Breakfast, eat and go. Lunch, grab, bite, run, work. Supper is the Lord's table. The Lord's table. For 2,000 years, the supper table was the Lord's table where the family ate together and everything was judged. 
The husband and wife did not eat silently. If they had issues, it was resolved at the table. If the children had issues with the parents, and the parents had issues with the children, everything was resolved at the table. And then they ate. The Lord's Supper. That becomes a Lord's Supper. That means you can have the Lord's Supper 30 days. In October, 31 days, you can have the Lord's Supper in your own homes. And then when those homes come together on the Sunday into the church, there is oneness, there is unity, because it was forged at the home and not in the church. Because the same spirit that was in the home brings everybody together in the same spirit. Because unity is forged by the spirit. By the spirit. That's why he said it doesn't work in the church if it does not work in the home. We always talk about the fall of America. America did not fall in Washington. It fell in the homes. The fall of America did not take place in D.C. or in New York. It took place in the homes. When the homes fell, America fell. A nation is only as strong as a home. As a home. And if the home is weak, the nation is weak. You only have outward unity, stuck together with solotape. Please understand that. Doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And you know what? That word again comes back. The covenant and fear. It comes back. What is that? Then fear came upon every soul. Whenever the real presence of God comes into your life, there is fear. There is fear. There is fear. There's always fear. Let me ask you this question. Somebody rings your bell. You open. Yes, what do you want? Somebody else rings your bell and he's wearing a khaki uniform. Immediately something goes through your heart. Right? Why? Because you know who he represents and what he represents. He represents the law. He represents the government. And what if the king comes to your house? The government is upon his shoulders. He comes. Immediately there is an atmosphere of fear that keeps everything else in check. You know, when the fear of God left homes, left lives, left church, everything started collapsing. Understand how the church began. This is how it began. They steadfastly continued in doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, in prayer. And then the Bible says, the fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. We don't want this first. We want this first. Miraculous should be an outflow from hearts that are governed by the fear of God. Otherwise, they will take it lightly. They will take the miraculous lightly. And that's what Ananias and Sapphira did. They took it lightly. So understand, so there is a crucial word over there. The crucial word over there is fellowship. That's a crucial word. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. And you will have many places when I go to Nepal, all the churches, when they have their meetings over there, it's one group of churches called koinonia fellowship. So I have 150, 200 of their pastors coming together. One large group of churches there. What does koinonia mean? It means fellowship. Translated as fellowship. But the root word koinon means common. Common. This is exactly the word Peter used. If you see in Acts chapter 10 and verse 13. A voice came to 
to him, Rise, Peter, Greek, eat, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common. Going on. I have never eaten anything common. So what does it mean? What does it mean? You know what it means? What is the end result of doctrine, fellowship, constant judging, and the unity of prayer, and the fear of God coming, and God moving in their midst? You know what happened in Acts chapter 2? Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. You know what happens? They share a single life. In a home, let us take Pastor Vijay, in a home, they share a single life. Vijay, Justin, Abigail, Emmy, they share a single life. They may have their individual different things, but actually they are sharing a common life. They hold things in common. Pastor Vijay will not enter in this house and say, this is my home. Which is true. Justin will enter the house and say, this is my home. True. Abigail will enter in the house and say, this is my home. True. Common. They eat the same food. Sometimes when nobody is there, they wear the same clothes. Of course, sometimes you see the wife wearing the husband's t-shirt. He say, that's my t-shirt. No, it's common. Sometimes you children walking around in the father's flip-flops. Right? Because they are holding everything in common. A shared life. What is the mystery? Mystery is at the end we share one life. That has not been achieved. The church has failed. Has failed. One life. The life of Christ. Flowing through everybody and into everybody. So you will see in many, many nations, you will see many churches are called fellowship. Right? You have Grace Tabernacle, another church may be there called Grace Fellowship. Koinonia. Fellowship. Fellowship is not just a spiritual word, it is a neutral word. There is good fellowship in the world. When all people who love football, now football is going, taking place in US, bear football. And all football lovers have come together, they're sharing one life. It's not the life of God, it's the life of football. And they will eat chips, burgers, and Pepsi, and go back home looking like a football. Shared life. So please understand, that is why we have to be very, very careful. Because in the world there is fellowship, intense fellowship, intimate fellowship, each based on their worldly interests. But with us it is different. We share the life of God. Like it's in a home. Like I said, Pastor Vijay's home used as an example. They share one life. And the church is called to share one life. Let us see. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 3. Now all, yeah, therefore, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. We were called. And he's saying, please, he's writing to the churches, please, walk worthy, walk in unity, walk as one. Don't forget what a church is as one. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering. You know, if you want to keep a family together, you need all this. 
The husband serves the wife. The wife serves the husband. The parents serve the children. And the children serve the parents. And there are... Nobody says, I am too big to serve you. Lowliness and gentleness with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. You have to bring it into a church too. And then, endeavoring for what? To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit has to be kept. The Holy Spirit is that makes us one. And if you do not have the Holy Spirit in you, you will always struggle in a church. You will take principles which you can apply. Yesterday we were talking about time and previous Saturday also. All those principles can be used in the secular world and you can be successful. So people who do not have the spirit, you know what they will do? They will pick up good principles in the house of God and take it and apply in the world and be successful. But those who have the spirit will always realize we are one body and we need to be at peace with one another. Because you know what? What is the most important thing in a home is peace. It's not food. Food you get in a restaurant also. What you need is peace. The most important thing in a home, in a life, is peace. You can have all the money in the world and have no peace. And you have very little money and you have a lot of peace. And people will always go for peace. Unity of peace. So the question is, how are we one? On what basis? You all need to have a basis. What basis are we one? Now read. Verse 4 onwards. Therefore, there is one body. Though we are sitting as individual parts. Individual parts. Now, if you look at my left hand, look at my left hand. It is part of one body. See that spiritually. We are all part of one body. And one spirit. We were all called to the third one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father who is above all and through all and in you all. Did you see? Seven, if I'm right, ones are mentioned. This is what makes us one. One spirit, one Lord, one Father. And the Father is above all. Fundamental rule of fellowship. Where there is no headship, there is no fellowship. Who is above all? Father. Who is the head of Christ? Father. Who is the head of man? Christ. Who is the head of woman? Man. Where there is no headship, actually fellowship is not possible. Let us imagine sitting at a table. Okay. Okay. It's weekend. Everybody is talking, having a good time. And then, if you leave it to the children, time will never end. The father says, enough. Time to close shop. We'll pray, brush your teeth, go to bed. There has to be somebody at the top who will finally make the call. Even if all the others disagree, that call goes. Where there is no headship, there is no true fellowship possible. Understand that. That's why at the end it comes and says, the Father who is above all. Because in middle there is Lord. That is Jesus. And there is the Holy Spirit. But the Father is above all. The Father is above all. But seven ones are mentioned. This is the basis of our unity, of our fellowship. Understand. We are not separate. We are one. 
we have more things in common in the spiritual than things that cause us to be different. We have more things in common. And eternity will realize that. And all these things are connected with eternity. And in eternity, when you look, we are actually common. We hold these things together. It is not that uh, there is one body. Yes, there's only one church. No, there are two churches. God says, I know only one church. It may have different labels, but only one church. I see only one church. When I look into Hyderabad, I see only one church. It's not GTC, it is one church. Spread all over Hyderabad. Only one church. And every other churches, God says, in every church, there are people who are my people. And there are people who are not my people. So God sees only one church. He doesn't see Baptist, Presbyterian. He doesn't see Pentecostal, Catholic. He doesn't see like that. He sees only one church. One body. One spirit. It is the same spirit which is in every believer. One calling. Everybody was called by God to be holy. And to be set apart for him. It is not only some people who were called. Everybody was called with the same calling. And then one Lord. We all have Christ as our Lord. And everyone had the same baptism. Maybe the water was colder, yours, some was warmer, some may have been icy cold. It doesn't matter. The baptism is the same. We are all baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit or baptized in the name of Jesus. There is no other baptism which is valid. It was the same baptism. Whether you got baptized in a small little tank in Hyderabad or whether you got baptized in River Jordan in Israel, the baptism is the same. Oh, if I go to, if a lot of people go to Israel to get baptized, what happens? You get a special experience? Nothing. The baptism is the same. We have baptized people in prison in, in drums of water. That was more real than the Jordan baptism. Baptism. One baptism. One God and Father above all. That is what makes us one. That is the basis of fellowship. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. I didn't give it? Yeah. God is faithful by whom you were called. What was the calling? You were all called. For what? Into fellowship. Into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Did you see that? The mystery. You know what we were called? For most people, salvation means I will not go to hell. They don't even think much about heaven because my eyes are always in the world. Only thing is that it is like life insurance. The only time you remember insurance is when the premium has to be paid. Usually most insurance are taken in the month of March because April is when the income tax has to be filed. New year, financial year. So in the month of March, alerts will come, premium has to be paid. And lot of people, salvation is like that. When they fall sick, premium comes, Lord, I'm confessing. An alert comes into the spirit, what if you die? (laughs) They don't understand what salvation is. Salvation is a call. To fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What is marriage? Marriage is a call to fellowship. The two shall become one. The two, as they talk, and you will see, you have to see. Sometimes you will see couples who have been married for five years, six years, seven years, ten years. After ten years, they look like twins. 
Even the outward features have changed. They, are, they become alike because they think alike, they talk alike, they have actually inside they have become one. The wife knows the husband even before she opens his mouth. And he knows what she's thinking without her. They have become one. Now Christ knows you and me without us talking. The question is, do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? Do we know Christ? Enoch walked with God for 300 years. He knew God. He knew the first coming, the second coming, everything he knew. Because they had become one. We are called out. He called us. Called out. And called us into. Israel came out of Egypt. They did not go into the promised land. Therefore, what did they do? They wandered. So many Christians' lives are wanderings in this world because they came out, but they did not go into the fellowship of Christ. So you wander, you wander. You're miserable. You're wandering. Wandering, wandering, wandering because you did not. You only fulfill half of the call, not the second part. We were called out of something and we called into something. So what do you do? You fill your time with the things of this world. But at the end of the day, you are still empty. How many movies will you watch before you are satisfied? Nothing. It never satisfied. How many restaurants will you visit before you are satisfied? It never satisfied. Nothing satisfies. You know why? You're wandering. You know why you're wandering? Because you did not come to the second part. Come to fellowship with Christ. That's what we are called for. Fellowship with Christ. But if you come to fellowship with Christ, you know what happens? You are content. Therefore, even if you do not have the things of this world, inside you are content. Inside you are content. You go to a happy home. A happy home is not a home with many things. A happy home is whether it's fellowship with the husband and the wife. There's unity between the husband and wife. They may not have many things. And it doesn't bother them. Doesn't bother them. Because they are content in their fellowship. It's a symbol of our life. A church's life with Christ. An individual's life with Christ. Otherwise you will know what? You will wander. And God in his faithfulness keeps on feeding you clothing you, protecting you, but you are empty inside. That's what the Bible says. He gave them what they asked, but inside they had only dryness, leanness. They just died in the wilderness. Was God faithful? Yes. Were they faithful? No. Because they did not understand the second part of the call is to enter into the fellowship with Christ. So please understand. We need to be very, very... How does it happen? How do you enter into fellowship with Christ? Only through doctrine. That is where doctrine is so important. The first thing mentioned is doctrine. Like I said, you know, if you go to a building site, if you go to a building site, you don't see the walls first. You see the pillars first. All around us, buildings are being built, right? What do they do? Suddenly you see all the workers coming, all the machinery coming, and suddenly you will see whole day. The pillars, everything is set. And then the roof is set. After that, they make the walls. If you don't have doctrine, you do not have fellowship. You may have fellowship, but that fellowship will not be the fellowship of Christ. So if you listen to a message from any pulpit, listen to what they are talking about. Are they talking about Christ? Are they talking about the world? 
Listen carefully. That's how you assess the pulpit. Is he talking to me about my husband? Let's think about the journey of Rebecca from Rebecca's home to Isaac's home. And Eliezer, the chief servant, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. They're on the journey. It's a long journey. What do you think Rebecca was interested in? Are you interested in Isaac? Or do you think Rebecca says, we are going to the promised land. Are there shopping malls there? How many eating joints are near Isaac's tent? Can I order online? Eliezer will say, delivery will be late. Because it comes by camel post. What do you think they were talking about? What do you think they were talking about? The entire conversation was about Abraham and about Isaac. The entire conversation of our life is about our bridegroom, Jesus, and our father. She wants to know about Abraham. You know why? Because he's going to be her father. He's going to be her father. We are going to home. And we want to hear about Jesus. And we want to know about the father. Because he's going to come and dwell with us forever. So what is that you hear? What is the soul interested in? What is your mind interested in? So doctrine is fundamental to fellowship because the fellowship will be an outflow of the doctrine. That's why it is written in Timothy and verse 4. The spirit who? The unity of the spirit. The spirit that puts it all together. IPL is going on. I don't know where it is going on, who is playing. I don't know any of these things, but I see it in the news. IPL is going on because these ads pop up when you are trying to watch some news. And you know what? What is the spirit in the stadiums? The spirit of cricket. In football, the spirit of football. The spirit. What is our spirit? The Holy Spirit. He expressly tells us. What does he say? In the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Why would they depart from the faith? Because giving heed to deceiving spirits and the doctrine of demons. It's because of doctrine. They did not fall away from the faith because they watched football. They did not fall away from because they went to the theater. They did not fall away because they went to the pub. They went, fell away because from the pulpit they were told all this is okay. It is the doctrine that will cause people to fall away. Doctrine. So the purpose of the pulpit, the white doctrine is put toward is that never ever forget whose you are. Never ever forget where you are going. Never ever forget where you will live forever. Stay close to him. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Do not get fooled by the deceiver because he has his own doctrines. While we have only one doctrine which is called in the Bible the doctrine of Christ. Read Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. It is all about doctrine. What does it say 6-1? The doctrine of Christ. From elementary, you go to the Sunday school, to the kids class, what is being taught over there? About Christ. You go to the teen class, what is being taught about there? About Christ. You go to the juniors, what is being taught about there? About Christ. What is being taught in the church? About Christ. There's only one doctrine. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. It's about Christ. It's about a person. And if you're not interested in a person, you're in the wrong place. 
Why do football lovers gather in the football stadium? Because they have one common interest. What is that? Football. Why do cricket lovers all gather in the cricket stadium? Because they have one common interest. What is that? Cricket. Why do God's people gather in church? Not for a ceremony or a service. Because they have one common interest. What is that? Christ. And then if you are bored of the word and say it is too long, you need to find another place. Because here, what happens is doctrine. Out of that doctrine only can flow a genuine fellowship. A fellowship. The fellowship is based on the doctrine. Second John 1 verse 9 and 10. See, he will go before me. Even before I give it, he will write it because he knows how my mind goes. Because we've been walking together for 14 days, 14 years. He knows. Okay. He didn't know what I was preaching. I didn't give him the references. He knows. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. If you don't have the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God. You can stand on your head and say, I am a believer, God says, but I don't have you and you don't have me. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. Do you get it? No doctrine, no fellowship. Because fellowship is based on doctrine. Yes. Yes. Fellowship is based on doctrine. That's why sometimes it's not possible to talk to people because they have no doctrine. If you talk to them, they will lead you into their doctrine, which is the doctrine of the world. They will want to talk about the world and things of the world and you realize you cannot fellowship with them. You love them, you're kind to them, all that, but you cannot really in oneness with them because they don't have doctrine. You're kind to everybody. Left, right, center, wherever I am, at my home or office, all are non-Christians. We are very kind to them. We don't fellowship with them. In the meaning of fellowship. Why? Because they don't have the doctrine. Yet, in that church office area, there is where they say, there are two kids who will go on the cycle. One is David. And one is his sister. And he will say, Uncle! Why? Because we know we have something in common. Uncle, I searched the YouTube and found your church, Uncle. I listened to your message also, Uncle. He's a little fellow. You see, I am able to fellowship with him and not to all the older neighbors. You know why? Because we have something in common. Doctrine. Doctrine. Do not... Receive him into your house, nor greet him. That does not mean that you should be rude to people and all. You may say, you cannot have oneness with them. Cannot have oneness with them. Oneness is based on doctrine. And I understand. After a point, if a Baptist and a Pentecostal are not able to move forward, I understand. Because what is the difference? It's doctrinal difference. They look the same. They may be working in the same office, but they doctrinally agree, agree. They agree on salvation, they agree on baptism, they agree, agree. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, they don't agree. And they go two different ways. Doctrine can can bring you together. Doctrine can separate you together. Doctrine does. Because fellowship is based on doctrine. But you are kind. You are kind. That's why I am able to listen to Derek Prince and John MacArthur. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I switch him off. Because I love him, but I know he doesn't know what he's talking about. But I listen to him because he's a fantastic teacher. 
Fantastic teacher. So with everybody, there's a level of fellowship you can go forward, depending on where you are. The proof of the doctrine, or the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Whether you have received doctrine or not is found in your fellowship. The purpose is fellowship. That is why we are invited to the life of Christ, fellowship with Christ. And what is the enemy of true, genuine fellowship within the church? We are not talking about outside. Outside is fine. We have no issue. I have no issues with people outside the church. No issues at all. I love them. It's easy to love them because you don't have to fellowship with them. All you have to do is be kind with them. The problem is inside the church, any church. What is the enemy? You know what is the enemy? It's a mixed multitude. The mixed multitude. Half world, half spirit. Like a Greek mythology creature. Head of a dog, body of a man. Numbers chapter 14, 11. So not 14, 11. Now the mixed multitude who were among them. Every church has a mixed multitude. Who got baptized but didn't die in their baptism. They came out fully alive. Alive to self, dead to Christ. The mixed multitude. For a season they will run with the crowd. But after some time, they yielded to intense craving. It's like the alcoholic who went off drink during Lent. Then 38 days coming, 39 is coming. Oh, he's counting his days. 40th day, rush to the bar. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. You sustained me, Lord. You know, he's saying hallelujah to a different spirit. Intense craving. For what? And the children of Israel also wept again. They wept. They cried, not for the Lord. They cried and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember. That's the problem. They didn't die in their baptism. You can bring people through the Red Sea. That doesn't mean Egypt is dead. We remember. We remember. The memory bank is alive. We remember. This is the problem. We remember. And all, everybody has these issues. All of us have these issues. Married men suddenly behave like bachelors. Why? We remember, Macha, we remember. Those were the days. We remember. Don't remember, forget. Forget. Please don't remember, forget. So whether it is home, whether it is church, God, God. Why? The purpose of all our activities in a home or a church. There are activities. Let's call it activities. The purpose of it, the end of it is fellowship. If it does not end up in fellowship, all our activities have failed. A father goes to work. 
or a mother goes to work, the children go to school. These are all part of day-to-day active, necessary activities. Then after the work, everybody comes back. When you have done all your chores, at the end of the day, you all sit around the table, you eat, you talk to each other. After that, you sit together as a family, you sing, you worship God. You know what? Everything was for that. That is life. If this is not happening, all you had was activities with no end. No end. The purpose was fellowship. And out of fellowship will come a unity. More and more and more and more and more genuine, holy fellowship, a unity will come. Out of that oneness will birth the things of God. Whether it is one man, a family or a church. You know what God did? God waited eight years for a man and ultimately when that man became one with Christ, out of that man came the law. The law came through Moses. Who was Moses? Moses was a man who became one with God on the mountain and through his mouth God gave the law. That's the purpose. And fellowship is the key. All those who are married over here or single over here, God will birth through your homes or God will birth through you Great and mighty things if you come to oneness with him. And the key thing is fellowship. And we all know fellowship. But not the fellowship of the kingdom. We all know the fellowship of the world. We know the fellowship of the world. In the military, that is it. Each regiment has its own slogan and it has that fellowship of brotherhood and they will fight until they die. A football team that is, which is not full of talents, but is unified like the German team. You hardly hear about talents among them. There are no grades in the German team, but they will fight like a unit and usually they get the World Cup. While over there in Argentina, Maradona, Maradona Capiche, Messi, and they mess up. (laughs) Indian cricket also was there. Sachin now, everybody switches their TV. You know why? It was not a really a team. Just 11 individual players playing together. But there was no unity. No unity. It's only out of unity things are birthed. Out of oneness. And is your marriage two individual players? Are you one? Church? All our activities. Objective is this. At the end of day, we have fellowship, godly fellowship, not carnal. Carnal fellowship called the whole church will come. Nobody will be missing. I'm not saying some of the worldly fellowship in itself is bad. But I'm saying if that is the only thing that will bring you, it is judgment on you. Next week there are two holidays. Let us all go to a movie together. Everybody is standing in line. Next week we have two days. Let us gather for fasting and prayer. Mm, Again. Sounds like the mixed multitude. Let's have that mixed multitude up there. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. Oh. Mind starts playing tricks. Freely. Slaves, freely. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, onions, and the garlic. 
but now our whole being is dried up there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes we detest this manna have you seen gtc all dried up only preaching 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 dried up dried up people stick stick in sex Do you feel dried up? You know what? This is what Jesus said. You cannot serve two masters. Impossible. Either you will love one and hate the other. If you try to serve God and this world, you will hate God. Ultimately, it will show to your response to the word. You will say, I am tired of this word. When will he stop? When will Pastor Vijay stop? Why do I have to go? You will hate one. But people never say, how many times do I need to go into the world? When will you stop calling me to go into these things? People never say. Because you know what? It is impossible to serve two masters. It is impossible to love two people. You'll only love one. Either God or the world. Serve God or the world. And that's our issues. So you know what? Our time with God and godly things and family, all is restricted. We put time limit on that. But there's no time limit on the other things. Other things. You know what? It's an indictment of our own heart. Our own heart. That's the issue. People, that's, that's why people love mega churches. You know what, my people? There's no accountability in mega churches. You can just disappear in a crowd. Not here. Here I will know how many are missing. Even if a child is missing, I know. Mega churches, you're lost. It's no fellowship. Because the end of it is not fellowship. That's why Pastor Yongicho, who died two weeks ago, the largest church in the world, in Yogyo, in South Korea, he's the one who started what is called care cells. He divided his church all into cells. So through the week, the cell groups met because that he made it in the terms of the body. A body is formed of cells. So he took his 800,000 church and made it into he had 150,000 deacons and made it into care cells so that everyone fellowships, prays, fasts, finds purpose. Otherwise, the church, mega church, is pointless and meaningless. You're getting the picture? You take fellowship off, church has no meaning. Your home has become a house. Just a house. It's not a home. 1 John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Did you get it? This is talking about a marriage with a person. We have heard, first Rebecca heard about Isaac. Then she saw him with her eyes. Then I looked upon him and then I handled him with my hands. This is real. This person is real. 
We're talking about Jesus. Okay? Concerning the word of life. And when Isaac looked into her eyes and said, I do. It was word of life into her. Otherwise, he looks into her and says, I do not. She has to go back. Word of life. And the life was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to it. He was saying, you know what the sum total of it all was? It was shared life. It was about life. You will understand when you read verse 3. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. That and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He's saying, you know what? Do you know why we come and declare the gospel? Do you know why we keep on teaching you about Christ so that you can have fellowship with us because we have fellowship with God so we can all fellowship together, become one family. That's the purpose of the church. You see what he's talking about? Mark the word life. Life. Eternal life. Fellowship, Father, Son, you have fellowship with us, we have fellowship with God, and as you learn to walk with us, you will learn to walk with God, because we have walked with God. Fellowship. That's the whole purpose. That we live a shared life. We have things in common. If that doesn't happen, then things don't work. Because God is just creating a replica of what He always was. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was always in eternal fellowship, in unity, and in oneness. And out of that came everything. You know what He's doing? He's creating a replica over here. You know what? This is how we always were everlasting to everlasting. This is what we want you to be with us and with one another. This is not a service. This is not a program. This is a family gathering where we share one life. The church, any church, including this church, when I talk about church, I'm talking about this physical structure, is not tuned for fellowship. Why? Because the church is tuned for teaching. You are all facing me, all your eyes on me. You can only see your neighbor's back of his head. You can't fellowship with your neighbor. But after the church is over, after the doctrine is over, fellowship begins. It is going to be tested. Do we share one life? Do we share one life? It's going to be tested. This is not the, this is not a format for fellowship. This is the format for doctrine. The format for doctrine. After doctrine comes fellowship. And those who fellowship more and more and more and more, you will see the unity among them is different from the general unity. Though everybody has access to the same doctrine, everybody is not able or do not access the same fellowship. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27. Then God said, what did he say? Let us. Let 
Let us. Richness comes out of unity. Let us. And verse 27. So God created man in his. Us, his. They have only one image. Let us create man in our image. And he created man in his image. It's unity. Out of their everlasting fellowship, they have oneness. That's why the Jewish saying, Hear, O God, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Let us make man. And made man must made in his image. Not in our image. His image. Image is one. Next verse. Chapter 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, The Lord God said, Behold, man has become like one of us. The father is not looking at Jesus and saying, man has fallen and has become like you. That's what fathers say when the children bring the wrong report. He's your son. He failed. Right? That's what they say. If he does well, he says, look, my son. But God doesn't say that. He says, man has fallen. He has eaten. He has become like one of. He knows good and evil, not good. Like one of us. Genesis 11. The Lord said, indeed people are one. They all have become one language. That is what they begin to do. Now nothing they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down. Let us go down. See, whenever God says, let us go down, actually only one comes. But the one going is like all three there. But there is no disunity among them. Isaiah 6. Verse 6 to 8. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with it, said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Did you see that? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? This is what God is trying to do with us. They are three. They are one. If you come to John 1, 1, how does it begin? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. They are one. Father doesn't say one thing and the Son object. No, they are one. And verse 1, 8, 18. No one has seen the God at any time. The only begotten Son. Who, where is He? Does that mean Jesus is sitting on His Father's chest? It means he's one with the father. So close in fellowship with the father. That's what it means on his bosom. Who's come from the father's bosom. Now turn to that verse which I gave you from Luke. And being in torments in hates. Who is this? The rich man. Lazarus, the beggar and the rich man. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. On earth, Lazarus was a beggar, living with the dogs. Nobody fellowshiped with him. Nobody gave him anything. They threw scraps at him. But he was one with God. And when he died, you know what happens? He's in Abraham's bosom. You know what? He's in close, intimate fellowship with Abraham. God has achieved his purpose in a beggar, which he was not able to do with the rest of Israel. Fellowship. Fellowship. Ask this question. If you were to die now, would you be in Abraham's bosom? Would you be able to fellowship with Abraham? 
Would you be able to fellowship with Isaac? Would you be able to fellowship with Jacob? Would you be able to fellowship with Joseph? Would you be able to fellowship with Moses? Think about it. These are the real people with whom you and I are going to live for eternity. Would you be able to fellowship with them? Would you be able to fellowship with Paul? First Corinthians, second Corinthians, Apostle Paul. Please, there were two other letters you wrote to Corinth. Would you please tell me that? There was a letter you wrote to Laodicea. I would want to know. That's the last in the list in Revelation. Would you please tell me what that letter was? Would you be able to fellowship with him? Think about it. These are real people. Real people. Whom we will love. Lazarus, the beggar who lived with the dogs, is able to fellowship with Abraham. Intimate fellowship with Abraham. In his bosom. While the rich man who had all the trappings of wealth and all the trappings of hell is in torment in hell, far away from Abraham, in fellowship with nobody. Understand? What is the purpose of doctrine? Fellowship. That's why it's important. God, doctrine. God, fellowship. It's important. The principle is set forth by Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 16. That is born of flesh is flesh. That is born of spirit is flesh. Whatever fellowship is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever born of spirit is spirit. The two shall never meet. Fleshly carnal fellowship and doctrine and fellowship can birth only carnal doctrine and carnal fellowship. The doctrine of Christ will only birth spirit and it is eternal. This is a judgment for us. Because yesterday we were saying, be prepared, he's coming. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Light begets light. Darkness begets darkness. Light does not beget darkness. Light. Sorry, darkness. Monkey doesn't beget humans. Monkey begets monkeys. Like Derek Prince said, I don't, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't have to become a believer to believe that evolution was wrong. Because monkeys only beget monkeys. And any man who believes he's from a monkey is a monkey. We know that, right? So the question is, if you're flesh, you will only beget flesh. If you're spirit, you will beget spirit. And if you are mixed, you will flip-flop. With the spiritual, you will be spiritual. With the carnal, you will be carnal. Second Corinthians 6.14 Do not be unequally yoked together with... It's not saying do not be unfriendly. It didn't say that. Be very friendly with them. Help them. Be kind to them. Honestly, be kind to them. Together with unbelievers for what? Fellowship. What fellowship? Has unrighteousness with lawlessness. What communion? From fellowship it goes to intimate. What is that? After this, what are we coming to? One law, many pieces. Many pieces, one law. 
What communion has light with darkness? What communion? Look at what God is saying. What communion has light with God? From fellowship to communion. Ah, that's how it goes. From fellowship, next level is communion. They had everything in common. They fellowship, 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 and they had everything in common. Why? Verse 15. What accord has Christ? Christ. The life. How can you share the life of Christ in communion? Somebody who does not have the life of Christ. They have religion. Maybe Christian religion, but they don't have the life of Christ. How can the two mix? So fast forward. From Acts 2 to Acts 5. You know what was the sin of Ananias and Sapphira? We know they lied to the Holy Spirit. They know we were hypocrites. That's not. What was the effect of their sin if they were left untouched? They would have broken the fellowship and the unity of the church. That was the sin. That was an amazing church. Absolutely one in common. In between that, and a wife came in to break that. The Spirit of God said, judge them. If you allow them to continue, the fellowship, the unity will be touched. Look at that. Acts 5. So great fear came upon all the church and upon who all who heard this. As soon as we judged what happened, fear was restored. Remember Acts chapter 2? Steadfastly for doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer and fear of God. Fear of God came back. Fear of God. And what does the word of God say? Immediately. Verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many again, the order is restored. Things started happening. The miraculous started happening among them. You know why? Fellowship is restored. Unity. See, spiritual unity is broken unless you have the spirit you will not know. If you are carnal, you will only see the carnal unity. Oh, what a wonderful church. How great it is. How good it is. But Peter had spiritual discernment. He knew that unity is being broken. This has to be done. Has to be, this has to be dealt with. If this is not dealt with, what will happen is, you know what? The power of God that is supposed to flow into the church will be blocked. He will not flow. Because what did the power come from? It comes from the life of Christ, the shared life. There are two individuals here who is blocking it. And God took them out. He had no clue that was what was going to happen to them, but God took them out. Power starts flowing. And verse 13 is very important. Mark that in your Bible. Yet none of the rest dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And I tell God, that's what I want my church to be. People should talk well about the church, but they would be afraid to join. They are not serious. I know how many people told me, wow, we listen to your messages, we like it. Are you coming? No. But there, none of the rest dared to join them. They dared to join. They knew, you know what? It's difficult to join this church. Because if I join this church, I'm not talking about GTC. 
book of Acts church. I'll break their unity. I'll be found out. I'll be found out. I'll be found out. He cannot join into a church where Peter is the pastor. James is the pastor. Not this James. The other James is a pastor. And be a hypocrite. You'll be found out. All are givers in that church. Not just takers. No hypocrites there. You'll be found out very fast because you break the unity. How will they know power is not flowing? Not, it's not flowing. Virtue is not flowing. What happened over there? God said there are two, a couple sitting over there who's blocking it. Take them out. The leadership understands the power is not flowing. The virtue is not flowing. And they ask, Lord, am I the reason? God says, no, Peter, you are not the reason. Who is the reason? Is the eldership? No, Peter, they are fine. Is it the new one who joined Barnabas? He says, no, he's kosher. Who it is? I will show you. They will come to you this morning. Take them out. Power will continue to flow. Want to be a church like that? People will die. But power will be there. That's what we need to understand. Fellowship. Fear is restored. The power is flowing. So whether it is a home or a church, when the flesh comes in, the world comes in. The world comes in, self comes in. The self that was supposed to have died in the waters of baptism comes back alive. You know, in Galatians chapter 5, in 19 and 20, there is this works of the flesh. 19 is one list, 20 is another list. It's interesting, 20 list is different. Say where it begins from. It begins with idolatry. You know what idolatry is? Idolatry is a worship of self. That's why all idols are not the same. Otherwise in India, all the gods should look the same. They don't look the same. Each one makes a god according to the idol in his heart. If you are into education, you go after this one. You make an idol according to. If you are into wealth and prosperity, if you want breakthroughs, you see idols are not the same. Because yourself is not the same. But you are selfish. Idolatry is the manifestation of the self. Baptism is the death of self. It's an event that took place. You don't get married every day. You only get married once. But every day after married, when you wake up, you realize, I am married. I am dead to self. I live for the other. The person wakes up and says, I am dead to myself. I live for the other. Your marriage, your wedding day was once. Your marriage is every day. Every day you rise up dead to self. Otherwise the marriage will stink. Marriages stink because people haven't died. There is no covenant. There is no sacrifice. There is no death. Baptism means you wake up in the morning and say, I reckon myself dead. Idolatry means I reckon myself alive. Immediately what follows? Sorcery comes in. The power of the enemy, the diabolos, witchcraft starts operating in that life. Sorcery leads to hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions and heresies. Heresy is put at the end. What is heresy? Heresy is a false doctrine. So to lock it up, you always need a doctrine. Why are you behaving like that? Because she's like this, like this, like this, like this, like this. You lock it up with a false heresy. But you are supposed to be dead. Right? You're supposed to be living for her. No. Now you need a heresy to lock it up. My husband is like this, like this, like this, like this, like this. That's why I'm like that. Heresy. 
What if Jesus says something? The church is like this, like this, like this, like this. That's why I'm nasty to them. Does he say? Doesn't say. You get it? This is our issue. You know. So what happens right there in a home? We are not working under the power of the Holy Spirit. We work under the power of sorcery because it activates the flesh. Activates the flesh. These are the works of the flesh. Self is a love. Idol, idol is a love. It's not American idol, Indian idol. It's your idol. Today, October the 3rd, episode, My Idol 3. How shall I be taken care of this Sunday? That's how people wake up. I shall be taken care of. I should be taken care of. And people are upset. I wasn't taken care of. I wasn't taken care of at home. They come with that. The idol has come to church. And after church is over, that didn't talk to me. That one didn't talk to me. This one didn't look at me. This one did. Indian Idol. Welcome to the latest episode. Sunday special. Offended with everybody. You know why? Because you're very well alive. Think about it. Reckon yourself dead. Reckon yourself dead. Oh church. He comes to set us free. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? What was his problem? He asked for money from his father. So many sons ask money from their father. I also ask. You all ask money. That is his problem. He wanted to go out in the world and venture on its own. That's fine. That's how venture capitalism began. That was not the problem. The problem was he broke the unity of the family and the fellowship of the family. The way he went. It's not where you go. It's how you go. He broke fellowship. He broke the unity of the family. That's why he has to experience the leanness of the soul. Come to abject poverty. Then come back from there to be restored. Back to fellowship. The father never changed. It was always the same. Think about it. Think seriously about it. Because this is no joke. If you're saved, you will go to heaven. But you will be so uncomfortable. Maybe it will take you 2,000 years to get used to heaven. That because God is God, it will seem like two days. Some people will just slide into heaven and they're comfortable. Absolutely comfortable. I always remember Johan. <laughs> we never saw Johan. But Johan saw us. He came in and he said, that's Peter. I know his voice. And Dr. Richard, I know. He knew the voices. Just watching on. And that's Dr. Richard, that's Peter. And he came in here. It was like it was his own church. That's the way it should be. You go to any place, any church, it should be your church. You know why? Bound by the Spirit. I have gone into churches which you will never go into. The poorest of poor churches. Plywood walls stuck with newspaper. Tin roof. When you walk in, you know this is my people. Because these are his people. 
These are his people. And it didn't matter which country it is. It didn't matter. It could be a labor camp in the Middle East. Or it could be a church in Singapore. Or a house church in Malaya. It did not make any difference. You knew. This is family. God's people. And if there was one who did not belong, you knew it also. This is the troublemaker in this church. The mixed multitude. Mixed vegetable has come. It's always. See, the, the unsaved person will not sustain this kind of sermon. They will run. One service is all they will attend. That also, if they attend the full service, it's a miracle. If they attend a full service, that means God has a plan for him or her. He will get saved. But usually they run off. 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, they run off. It's a mixed multitude which is the problem. Don't be a mixed multitude. At home, at church. At home, if you are mixed, you will break your home. You will break your home. You will always cause dissension. Because you why? You are trying to, through the flesh, pull the world into your home, which God says is my home. Don't you all have on, the, on your roof? Who is the head of this house? Christ. Christ is the head of this house. The host at every table. The silent listener to every conversation. Do you believe that? Fighting like cats and dogs and he's listening to your conversation. I'm not saying you're fighting if you are fighting. Either be hot or cold. Some houses it is hot, some houses it is cold. Hot conversation, no conversation. That's not what God said. God said have fellowship. Can he fellowship with us? We saw him. We heard him. We looked upon him. Our hands handled him. And we tell you all this for what? Life. Shared life. The life of God. The life of the Son. We have fellowship with them. We want you to fellowship with us so that we can partake of this life together. Do you know what Pastor Vijay and I have been doing here for 14 years? The life we have experienced from God, we try to share with you. You can either take it or leave it. We have nothing else to offer. We don't offer you from here pleasures of the world, interests of the world, the entertainments of the world. One thing we have to offer you. You know what? The life of God we have experienced. That we give it to you. Nothing else. I'm sorry. Everything else you'll find in the world. That's not our job. That doesn't fit in our job profile. Because we know where we are going. And we should know where we are going. It is not an unprepared place. You know what he said? I've go to prepare a place for him. It's a prepared place. For a prepared people. When you reach heaven, if you have a TV, there will be none of the channels you are used to. What will you do? No YouTube. No Facebook. What will you do? Who will you face? No Facebook. No YouTube. Think about it. What will you do? On an average, think about it. How do you spend your time other than your work? Forget the work. We all need to work after that. 
What do you do? And what if that is not there in heaven? What will you do? What will you do? People are already panicking. What will they do? <laughs> what will you do? Think for a minute. What will you do? Shopping? No malls. What will you do? From fellowship, we go to communion. So let's go to the table now. It's a communion. It's a table. This is the most important part, sacred part, is that communion. Right? And it should be there every day. Every day. The father, the mother, the children, if you are a family. Or if you have no children, the father, the mother sit and they share. Even my wife and I eat the same thing. You understand? Pasta, Amma and Chapatiya, Babu, eat the same thing. We don't eat different. We eat the same thing. Share. What does it mean? You're going to eat the entire wine came from the same bottle. It's a whole loaf. What does it symbolize? We are one. But the truth, we have to ask, are we one? Do we have everything in common? Do we have everything in common? Think about it. Do we have everything? Think about it. Children. We are not talking about children. But I will talk to children too. Do you have everything? Children will say, but I have nothing to give. Really? What you have, will you give it for the common? Think about it. What you have. Our children do. As soon as we go, after this is fellowship. Fellowship is not here. That is snacks. Fellowship is there. You know what? Those kids cannot give in material terms, but they take care of everything else. After you go, they clean up. After you go, they wash up. After you go, they bring order into that place. You know what? Because they are giving to what is common. Everybody has something to give it to the common. If you are only taking and not ever giving, you are not part of the fellowship. You are not part of the body of Christ. Because this is the table of fellowship. And you know what he said? Do this as a remembrance of my death until I come. You know what he says? I gave everything. I did not hold my life as mine. I hold it as common. Hold it as common. And Paul understood that. And that's why when he's finishing his life, he says, my entire life was poured out as an offering. It was made common, available to everyone. My life. Everyone. That's a body. That's a body. Same spirit. That's why God uses the blood that flows through every cell of your being. It's the same blood. It flows through every part, cleansing it, bringing new life. The Holy Spirit that flows through all of us is the same. You know why? Because He says, you are common. Common, not in the sense of common that way, no. 
you are the same. One body. So Pastor Vijay, come. Elders, come. Could you please call the Sunday school teachers? The babies can come home. Come home? Yeah, come home. Come up from class to home. Think on what you heard today. As you partake of it. The reason this was put together by God is to say that we are one. Behold everything in common. Everything in common. Our lives are shared. Our lives are shared. You read, go back today and read from Acts chapter 2, verse 40 onwards. The Bible will say that those who had brought and put it at the feet of the apostles, so those who did not have, would have. So they loved, held everything in common. Everything in common. Can I have a stanza please, Peter? morning as we come around your table you have commanded us to do this until you come believing through the doctrine through fellowship and through communion when you come we your body would have become one so that you can take us away as one body not a splintered fractured body but as one body and I pray father even this morning as we partake of the emblem of your body and your blood you will continue to work that oneness in us through your spirit break down those barriers in homes break down those barriers between us and you so that we can be one with one another and be one with you and hold everything in common to that end father I come at this time for in Jesus name we pray amen amen as we take another five minutes, can we turn to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him. You can stand there. Sir. We have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. All these mysteries 
we learn truth from John. God is light. There is no darkness in him. You cannot mix light and darkness. There is no darkness. There is light, pure light, absolute light. In verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, come back to the end, the purpose. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in the dark, we lie. And do not practice the truth. The proof of the doctrine is the fellowship we have with God. The fellowship we have with one another. That's the proof. Because he is light. And as soon as we come into his presence, he will always show up out the darkness. Not to condemn us, to get rid of it us. The condition is we walk with God first. Then we walk with man. Verse 7. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. See, the whole purpose is fellowship. So, if you are walking with God and if you are not able to fellowship with some people, it is okay. You don't condemn them. You don't judge them. You are not unkind to them. But you may not be able to fellowship with them because whenever you try to fellowship with them, they try to pull you into darkness. The world. Because for them, fellowship is possible only in the world. And they will always try to pull you into the world. But our first priority is not to walk with man. Our first priority of restoration is to walk with God. Because the Bible says God made man. And man walked with God. That is why he had appointed time, literally, physically, at the cool of the evening when God came to walk with Adam. It was much later he was made. We don't know how long later he was made. And the Bible does not say he was made and Adam was woken up. It does not say that. It says he was brought to Adam. So the first person the woman saw was not Adam. It was God. Man has to learn to walk with God. The woman has to learn to walk with God. Fellowship. Then you are in the light. And if you are in the light, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It does not restrict with God alone. You cannot be isolated. If you are isolated, you will fall. Elijah fell when he was isolated, though he had all the power of God. So God's solution to him was that I will send you down and I will give you somebody to fellowship with. After that, he did not fall. After that, he was taken by chariots of fire to fellowship with God for the past 4,000 years. The first with God. Isolation is dangerous. Dangerous. You need to walk with God. Then you need to walk with man. Fellowship keeps you together. So what is the solution? Come to the light. If you're walking in the dark, come to the light. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I'm not an expert from experts who know it says that. In Greek, all this is continuous. Grammar. If we continuously walk in the light as he is in the light, we have continually fellowship with one another and the Blood of Jesus Christ, his son continually cleanses us all the time. Meaning the, the minute you stop walking with God and walking with man, the blood stops working for you. It immediately stops working for you. So answer, come back to the light. Come back to the light. The blood starts working for you. 
So this is not just an institution or a symbol or an emblem. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. Otherwise the blood stops working. And you don't want to be caught like the rich man to wake up one morning in the wrong place. Because he thought, he thought, come to the light. Come to the light. Where it's 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. How will know you have sin? Walk in the light. You will know you have sin. Walk in the more light comes. Let them put up all the lights. Suddenly you will see the hall is not as clean as you thought it is. Now it's looking nice. Put some powerful lights. You will see suddenly things start. Right? You think it's a clear sky. And then the sun rays comes through the window and you see all the dust in that air, right? Did you see it before? No. What showed up the dust? The light. So if any man standing here, starting with me, says he's without sin, he makes God a liar. What does that actually mean? God is out here to condemn you. He says, you know what? If you want, you can walk closer and closer and closer with me. I will remove every darkness from you. And you will walk with me. Walk with me. Verse 9, if we confess. So when we come to the light, only thing God asks is, will you confess? If you confess, he is faithful. If you don't confess, he is faithful. Not to forgive you. He's always faithful. If you confess, he's faithful to forgive you. If you don't confess, he's also faithful. Now. And the blood doesn't work. Blood doesn't work. Solution? Come to the light. Proof is fellowship. It's not sitting here and listening to all the doctrine. Your proof is that. Are you walking with God? That's the proof. Are you hearing from God? That's the proof. That's the proof. Even little Gracie, the youngest one, hears from her parents. That's the proof. It's their child. How does Gracie know? Raj and Appu are my parents. Because she knows their voice. They speak to her. Wait a couple of more weeks and months, you know, when she hears their voice, she will turn and look, she knows their voice. That's proof. Whose you are. It's not the doctrine. It's a fellowship that is the proof. And if you isolate yourself, you will fall. You will fall. There are two incidences in the great man who heard from God called David. We both know. One day he was afraid Saul would get him. And you know what? He isolated himself from Israel. You know what Israel is called in the book of Ephesians? The common wealth of Israel. The whole land of Israel belongs to God. And he has given to each man a portion. The common wealth. That's where we have the term common wealth. Meaning it is held in common. From the common wealth of Israel, he moved into the Philistine territory. 16 months of darkness. He was not walking in the light. No deed that is kosher. No psalms written. No sweet saying of the psalmist of Israel. You know why? Because he isolated himself. Second time, when he's king, the word of God says, the ark is in the field. Job, the soldiers are in the battlefield. He isolated himself from the brotherhood of Israel and he fell. 
understand that? Because we have only one life. It is shared. You don't share that life. You pretend you are part, but you don't really share the life with God and with one another. You will fail. It's guaranteed in the Bible. You will fail. You will fall. Because the entire purpose of all of this is what? Fellowship. Whether it is an unmarried individual, a home, or a church, we share a common life. And the Bible says they had everything in common. They were together and they were everything in common. Common. And you don't have a big rich church or anything for that like that. You can be a very poor church like Philadelphia and have everything in common. Simple people. We had a funeral a couple of weeks back, right? Did you see the people coming for the funeral? They all sat in the truck and came. With the boy's dead body. Did they feel anything? No. They all were there. Everybody was there. They were not all day for one day. Ask Pastor Dano. They were there seven days in the pastor's house. Every day they gathered. Because the pastor lost his son. You don't have to be a great church. <laughs> you just have to be a small church. Every day they gathered. Then for the memorial service, 300 of them came. But the church is only 30 or 40 or 50. Everybody who heard came. Because you're one body. One man lost his son. It's everybody's loss. Everybody's lost. Shared life. Shared life. Simple things. Shared life. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We stand in your presence first as individuals who are called, saved to walk with you. Then we stand as families to walk together. We stand as a church that holds everything together in common. Oh, Father, we don't want that spirit that was in Ananas and Sapphira coming into any of our churches, Lord. Whether we are in a free nation like this or whether we are gathering in a cave in Afghanistan, we hold everything in common. One life. The life of Christ. When they hurt, we hurt. When we struggle, they struggle. Because we don't have two lives. It's one spirit in all of us. The song we sang at the end of Father, let it not be a song, let it be our life. Because it is to that you have called us. Come, he said. Whoever is thirsty, drink of me. Your life is what you are calling us to drink of. The call goes out today, this 10th month, third day, to come and drink of you. To partake of you. This is my body, you said. This is my blood, you said. Partake of me. And it is when you taught that, the people were offended and the disciples left because they did not want to share their life. Share your life. But we will not leave. We came for that. To have one life. One body. One Lord. One spirit. One baptism. One faith. One Father who is above and over all. 
We are just preparing not for a career on earth. We are preparing right here, right now for a life in eternity. To that, I commit the church. Here, everywhere. And I pray, Father, you would guard us, guard our hearts that we do not break the unity of the body. Because you do not tolerate that. That we will walk in that unity. We will walk in that love. We will care for one another. And we will be givers and not takers. The takers are all in hell. Givers are all in heaven. We are your children. Make us one, Lord. Make us one. Make us one, Lord. Show us as we come into the light, the dark areas of our life. That we will be quick to repent, quick to put it away. That we can continue to walk in light and have fellowship with one another, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Go with us. Go before us. Order our footsteps through this month, Lord. Bless your people. For in Jesus' name we pray. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen and amen.